A reading from the letter of 1 Peter, chapter 1, verses 17 to 23. Listen now for God's word for us. If you invoke as father the one who judges all people impartially according to their deeds, live in reverent fear during the time of your exile. You know that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your ancestors, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without defect or blemish. He was destined before the foundation of the world, but was revealed at the end of the ages for your sake. Through him, you have come to trust in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are set on God. Now that you have purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, so that you have genuine mutual love, love one another deeply from the heart. You have been born anew, not of perishable, but of imperishable seed, through the living and enduring word of God. Our Gospel reading is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, beginning to read at verse 13. Listen now to God's word to us from Holy Scripture. Now, on that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what are you discussing with each other while you walk along? They stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there in these days. He asked them, what things? They replied, the things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find his body there, they came back and told us that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of these who were with us went to the tomb and found it, just as the women had said, but they did not see him. Then he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in all the scriptures. As they came near the village to which they were going, he walked ahead as if he were going on. 
but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, because it's almost evening, and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed, and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? That same hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying, the Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Did you ever find yourself out on a walk with someone, perhaps a family member or a close friend, and find yourself deep in conversation with them? sharing thoughts and feelings and ideas that might have seemed impossible to share in other circumstances. Perhaps you've even asked someone to take a walk with you when you needed to have a serious discussion with them. There is something about the shared experience of walking alongside someone that invites confidences, that somehow makes it easier to open up your heart to become vulnerable, even to formulate a way forward through difficult times. Have you ever imagined how it might feel to take a walk with Jesus, to seek his counsel, to listen, to hang on every word as he explains the truth of the good news of the kingdom of God? In our scripture today from Luke's Gospel, two disciples, Cleopas, a name we don't hear anywhere else in the Gospels, and an unnamed companion are leaving Jerusalem for Emmaus. Although we in our church year are now two weeks past Easter, this incident takes place on Easter Sunday, the day of Christ's resurrection. One has to wonder if these two were present at the crucifixion and whether perhaps they might be fleeing from Jerusalem in fear of their own lives. At the same time that they are on the road, the eleven and others are gathered together in Jerusalem still, going over the events of the last three days and surely puzzling over the mysterious reports of Jesus' resurrection as told to the women by the angels in the tomb. As they walked along the road, what else would Cleopas and his friend be talking about but these same horrific and mysterious events? They are joined by a stranger who walks alongside them. The stranger seems at first not to know about the things that everyone else is talking about, like Mary in John's encounter of her encounter, uh, John's account of her encounter with the risen Jesus, 
the friends do not know that this stranger on the road is their Lord and their friend. The text tells us their eyes were kept from recognizing him. Whatever the reason, and it feels like a divine one, doesn't it? It's not quite time yet for Jesus to be known to them. They walk and talk together. The disciples at first explaining the events that have taken place, and then Jesus begins to talk, and he, to use their words, opens up the scriptures to them. He shows how all the prophecies of old have led up to the coming of the Messiah, and how Jesus is the fulfillment of those prophecies. Even though the scriptures are opened up in this way, suggesting that they now have a new understanding of just how Jesus fits into God's divine plan for this world, their eyes are still not yet opened to recognize Jesus. Only after they have shared supper with this mysterious stranger, and only after he has blessed and broken bread with them, are their eyes and hearts open to his true identity. And then they say, were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening up the scriptures to us? On some level, even before they knew it was Jesus, his very presence as he accompanied them on the road sent their spirits soaring, set their hearts on fire with understanding, with renewed life. As he walked beside them, Jesus lifted them from the depths of fear and despair to new possibilities, to a sense of renewed purpose. By the time Jesus vanishes from their sight, they know that no matter what, Jesus will walk alongside them still, and they will have the strength to go on working, struggling, even suffering, to bring about the kingdom of God, as Jesus taught them they must do. African-American theologian Howard Thurman was a spiritual advisor and mentor to the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. In a very real sense, although he did not lead marches and protests, Thurman walked alongside the leaders of the civil rights movement in his role as spiritual advisor and teacher. Dr. King was said to carry Thurman's book, Jesus and the Disinherited, with him on all his marches. Thurman brought to that movement the concept of nonviolent resistance. He brought it from India, where he had met with Gandhi. Howard Thurman began life in dire poverty in Daytona Beach, Florida. He attended high school on scholarship here in Jacksonville. He went on later to graduate from Morehouse College and to become a professor and dean of the Marsh Chapel at Howard University. 
He also was a founder of an integrated congregation in San Francisco. Thurman was a mystic, believing that silence, stillness, and solitude were the paths to a deepened relationship with God that could lead to effective social action and ultimately to an end to injustice and oppression. Loretta Coleman Brown recently published a book about Thurman's life and work, using as its title a phrase Thurman liked to use, what makes you come alive? As she imagines a spiritual walk with Thurman, she writes, I like to dream about going for a walk with him. I imagine he would talk about many subjects, silence and solitude, nature, being a holy child of God, divine intervention, the religion of Jesus, inner authority, and spiritual mentoring. Thurman knew that the grueling, intense, and dangerous work of the struggle for voting rights and equality in the Jim Crow South could not be carried out without a firm foundation of spiritual strength. Time alone with God, seeking calmness of spirit, was and still is a vital part of the ongoing struggle for justice, the ongoing struggle for God's kingdom here on earth. Time with God gave Thurman and those he guided a powerful conviction that each one was and is a holy child of God. Coleman Brown quotes Thurman's words, a formidable faith and assurance spring from the conviction that I am a holy child of God. Again, a formidable, a formidable faith and assurance spring from the conviction that I am, that you are, that we are holy children of God. This conviction is surely essential for those who carry on the justice-seeking work of the way of Jesus. I've participated in many marches for freedom and equality over the years. In the 80s, I protested the cruise missiles at Cape Canaveral where Dr. Ben Spock walked alongside us and was arrested for climbing over the fence. I marched to protest the Gulf War in the 90s. Later, I marched in support of LGBTQ rights too. But perhaps the most moving marches to me were the annual marches in Gainesville on Martin Luther King's birthday. My very dear activist friend, Nita, who is African-American, and with whom I worked in early childhood programs for many years in Gainesville and at the University of Florida, she would encourage the children she taught and their parents to join that annual march. So we would walk cheerfully, 
with a group of very diverse families, with strollers and children and banners drawn by the children, singing and celebrating the joy of being together on the road to a more equitable future. The struggle is not in the past, my friends. The struggle goes on. In this coming week, the Reverend William Barber, leader of the Poor People's Campaign, the movement that grew out of the civil rights movement after Dr. King's death, he will lead a march from Havana, Florida to Tallahassee. The Poor People's Campaign is calling for a moral third reconstruction demanding an end to restrictions on voting rights, asking for better health care, a living wage, an end to gun violence, and other basic human rights for all God's children. Their work is firmly grounded in religious principles and in scripture. The campaign boldly states that in support of these rights, we will not be silent anymore. If you get a chance to listen to Reverend Barber, you will understand what it means to have your heart burn within you. So passionate and dedicated is he to the cause of the rights of the poor and disinherited. Reverend Barber is truly inspired by Jesus as he courageously calls out the leaders of this nation and of this state whose policies lead to lives of deprivation and poverty for the most vulnerable, whose policies lead to increased violence and mass shootings that are killing our children. Friends, this work is not easy in these days of fear and real danger for those who raise their voices, but Jesus truly walks alongside those who cry out for justice. Jesus is right there in the struggle with them, with us. Surely Cleopas and his companion on the road felt their sorrow subside and their hearts, so recently despairing, begin at first to grow calm, then begin to lift and even to burn within them as Jesus recalls for them the ancient scriptures, the scriptures that their Jewish faith is built upon, the scriptures that have the ability to ground them and us and reassure us in times of trouble and of struggle, the scriptures that are ultimately fulfilled in Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the chosen one of God. Would you take just a moment now to consider what might be the struggle that lays most heavily upon your heart at this time. It might be a personal struggle that you are facing. It might be the constant loss of the lives of children in our nation's gun crisis. It might be the loss of women's rights and LGBTQ rights. Imagine now, if you would indulge me, that you are talking with Jesus as you take a walk together on your favorite route. 
Is Jesus listening now to your fears, your doubts, your sorrow, your feelings of impotence? Listen to him as he affirms that you are a holy child of God, that you are important, that you are strong, that you have agency, that you can with your heart and your hands and your voice, you, child of God, can impact the life of one or the lives of many as you in your turn walk alongside those whose voices are too often silenced. Listen to Jesus. Hear his assurance. Earlier in the service, we heard the South African hymn, Sia Humba, a song often associated with struggles for equality. At the end of our worship, we will sing the spiritual guide my feet. Friends, I am well aware that there is some question about white congregations singing spirituals, and I respect the views of those who might argue that it is cultural appropriation. However, I believe that if, as we sing this hymn, we sing in the spirit of walking alongside those who continue the struggle for an end to injustice, then we raise our voices in solidarity, and I believe that God sings with us. Howard Thurman advocated meditation and prayer, not simply because such practices offer us peace and tranquility, though these are important, he knew that such practices led to effective social action. Jesus counseled and uplifted the spirits of Cleopas and his companion as he walked alongside them, not only to calm their minds and their hearts, but because he knew they needed to feel alive, to feel their hearts burning within them in order to take up the healing, justice-seeking work he had begun. So I ask you now, for whom will your hearts burn? Who will you be inspired to walk alongside in the sacred struggle for justice, for the establishment on this earth of the kingdom of God? May it be so. Amen.